Welcome to the Garden Culture Podcast hosted by me, Bailey Van Tassel. I'm a self-taught gardener, busy wife and mother, and small business owner on a mission to live a garden-inspired life. Each month, we will explore what's going on in the garden and fields, as well as get to know incredible people who infuse their own lives with the magic of the garden. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned here, please visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast. Hello, beautiful Miss Leah. How are you? I'm really, really good. I'm so excited to be here with you today. I'm so honored to have you and I'm so excited to dig into everything. We were just chatting for a second and I was saying like, don't tell me anything because I can't wait to get the scoop like live in action on your whole journey. But um, I want to start at a place of, uh, I guess I'm going to start in the middle and then we'll backtrack a little bit. But I found you because a girlfriend of mine who lives in Austin, Texas was like, you have to follow this girl on Instagram who is like super into um, interior design, but she's also really into regenerative agriculture and farming and soil. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'll go check her out. And I looked you up and I'm like, what is going on here? Like, it looks like it's sort of this new endeavor. And I see that you have this really cool home to homestead show that you guys are on, on the design network, which is so awesome. So what, I guess, where are you in your journey right now? And how did you get into this whole sort of, you know, rebuilding the land, soil, worm, vermicomposting? Like, how do we get to this place you're at right now? Well, the place I'm at right now is um, I am in the middle of building all of our like infrastructure, like our garden infrastructure and all that, and really learning as I go. So um, we are getting ready to get chicks. I've got the Fermi composting going. We are getting ready to stall in uh, K lines so we can do, um, you know, irrigation for planting native grasses again. Um, I've got to get garden beds going. Anyways, I have all these projects that are sort of ramping up and happening now. And how I got here is a really good question. Sometimes I wonder the same thing. <laughs> Were you? How did I end up here? Well, have you always? <laughs> I'm like, how did I end up like loving playing in worm poop and talking yes. to our rain tank guys about installing in K-Line? Like, what, like, how did this happen? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's what I love so much because I'm like, okay, there had to have been something that happened that kind of triggered a change. Obviously, so have you guys, have you always lived in, you live in Texas, right? Yes. So we live in Texas, central Texas. We're just outside of Austin and, um, I'm from here. My husband's from here, but we used to live in California and, um, I lived at, we lived in LA and I was like on a TV show and I had like hair and makeup and a wardrobe yes. assistant and like, you were the like most on a TV show. Yes. Like. So I, I was on um, a show called Fab Life on ABC with Tyra Banks and Chrissy Teigen. Yes. And I had like, the most beautiful collection of high-heeled shoes you'd ever imagine. We lived in a small little house in, in Venice Beach. Like there was no, I did not come from an agricultural background or a farming background. Like I was very much living uh, my best city life. Okay. And then we had um, our first son and we had our first son in California and we decided it was time to move home. Our My show didn't get renewed. And so it was kind of the perfect time. And this was about six years ago. So we moved back home to Texas to be closer to our family and sort of same thing. We wanted to kind of like 
repeat that California life in Austin because it's sort of all we had known, right? We wanted to be like close to coffee shops and like the hip neighborhoods in Austin. And when we were started looking, we're like, oh my gosh, it's just, it's kind of way more expensive than we sort of anticipated. I thought we were going to move to Texas and be able to get this big old house, right? That was not the case. So we started looking a little bit further out, a little bit further out. We ended up buying a really great home in a, in a beautiful neighborhood. Um, and then COVID hit. Mm. And when COVID hit, my mom moved in with us. And it was uh, pretty apparent that she wasn't going to be leaving. And there was just sort of like no end in sight to this COVID thing, right? And so we were like, we can't all live in this house. You know, it's not set up for three adults and, you know, another dog. And now, and now I had just had another son. So now two babies, like we needed some more space. So we started looking around and we uh, bought this property. It's about seven acres. And we spent all of our time out here during COVID because all the playgrounds were closed down. So we would um, like pick up to-go food and sit on the back of, of our truck and do picnics and like let the kids run around. And I just looked at my husband one day and I was like, why don't we just build something here? Like, it's so beautiful. And we can build my mom a little guest house. We can have our house. Everyone can have their own space. The boys can have a ton of space. They can run around, grow up running around outside. And it just so happened that my dad, um, my parents have been divorced all my life. So they're divorced, but my dad is a builder. And so I was like, look, we'll have dad build it. And because I'm a constant producer, I'm like, this will make a great TV show. <laughs> you can take the girl out of Hollywood, but you can't take Hollywood out of the girl. Oh my God, so I love it so much. I pitched this, this idea for this TV show um, about you know a family embarking on this journey of building a home, but also learning about like, okay, we're, we're living on this land. How do we take care of it? And how do we be good land stewards? And, and what does that really look like? And one of the first things that we did is we don't have water out here. So um, everyone drills wells, which is sort of fine and dandy, I guess, until your well runs dry, which is what's been happening out here in Texas. Everyone's moving yeah. out this way and they're drilling wells. And so we did drill a well. We have it just as a sort of a backup, but we don't use it. We use, um, we installed a 65,000 gallon rain tank. So, oh, you know, different things like that, that we were very committed to early on in the building process to make a difference and just to try and be like a little bit of a difference, um, in our area. And then what really got me into like all of the regenerative agriculture and all this is I saw that, uh, Netflix documentary, kiss the ground. Oh yeah. Have oh, you seen yeah. Okay. Yeah. Blew my mind. It like yeah. blew my mind. Yeah. You know, I can't watch climate documentaries. They're depressing. I go down a rabbit hole. I feel just terrible about it. Um, but this was different. This was a documentary, the first like climate documentary, I guess, that left me feeling hopeful and feeling like, mm -hmm. oh my God, the, the solution is so simple. <laughs> it's just in the soil. This is so simple. And so um sort of the flip side of that is that my husband's family business is in farming. Oh, we wow. own we own farmland in Indiana, Ohio, and Mississippi. Okay. But like we're sort of the bad guys, right? We do all of uh, the farmers that we work with do like a lot of the mono mostly monocropping, um corn, soybeans, 
wheat. Yeah. They put all the chemicals on. Not all of our farmers do, but I would say the majority of them do yeah. um, and do all that. And so it became really imperative and important for us to educate ourselves on these issues and the differences that we could make being that we are attached to that industry and being that we now are going to be land stewards of this beautiful seven acres in the Texas Hill Country. Like, how can we be better? And I just, yeah, kissed the ground and the whole concept of soil health and topsoil, like it blew my mind. Haven't been able to look back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you can't unlearn it. And so I think that's when it's this inconvenient truth where you're like, uh, at least I feel that way sometimes where I'm like, I can't make decisions anymore out of ignorance because I know too much and I know how to make it happen. It's just a matter of doing it. And it, it's just, yeah, that is a tricky position you guys are in with families yeah. in the farming industry. Have you guys approached them about, or is that kind of, I mean, that's a really- no, sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, of course we've approached them and we have a great business relationship with all of our farmers and um, it's uh, very symbiotic and we are, have a really open relationship. So as we've sort of been diving deeper into, you know, different ideas of regenerative agriculture, we've, you know, been talking to them about that kind of stuff and like, Hey, like, how do you guys feel about this? And like, are you seeing a shift in the industry? Cause they're the boots on the ground. We are not the boots on the ground. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing to hear that, that yes, they are seeing a shift in the industry and a lot of them are putting in place, you know, cover crops and, and trying to figure that out. And I think what's so exciting about it is there's definitely a movement towards that direction. Yeah. And these younger farmers are realizing the importance of, of needing to make some changes to maybe the way that everything's just been done in the past. For sure. I think that ultimately it would take like a really giant shift in the whole like global food system to see the change that we necessarily need to have, you know, because there's big arguments about like, well, you can't feed the world's population without all these chemicals and all that. And there's two sides of that argument. I hear them both. I understand both. So, but I do think that all the, of these little changes like cover crops and, um, low till and all this, like just even implementing some of this stuff, like is, it's a big deal that it, it makes a big difference. And like I said, as these younger generations come up, they're, they're passionate about this stuff and it's exciting to see. For sure. So I have a really good girlfriend who they own like sort of a like huge cattle ranch. And we're always talking about how much we love ag, but how, to feed the world, this, this dichotomy of like feeding the world with our land, but then also allowing it, the, the process to continue can't go on. So it's really hard to think about like, you, you can't just like cut off the world's food supply to like start doing regenerative farming, reteaching in like multiple generations and all this and that, and it's expensive and there's so much nuance, but I agree with you that Kiss the Ground and these hope-based documentaries that just help people understand the dynamics of soil and what they can do with their own land, like you said, being a good steward of your own land is the very first step. And I remember reading, I read this permaculture book called Gaia's Garden. Have you read that? No, I haven't. I have not. 
Okay. I'm going to send it to you. It's so good. And just the principles of permaculture, I think are really interesting. Like, I think you'll like it, but it talks about like, if everybody that had the space to garden and grow it, like grow their own food, it would take so much of the burden and the demand off the back of farmers, which we don't want to take money away from farm families, but I think we need like a reboot. And I, I believe that that kind of starts with like, okay, let's get everybody back. And 2020, I felt like was a cool reset, but a lot of people I've seen kind of drop off where they got into gardening because they were home and now they're kind of like, you know, back to normal quote unquote. But I also don't want people to feel like, oh, well, I don't have seven acres or I don't even have one Mm -hmm. acre or, or I live in an apartment. What difference can I make? I mean, there are so many things that you can do, like in no matter how much space you have, even if you're like in the suburbs and, and you know this, right. And you just have a tiny lawn, like you can make such a big difference, you know, by like not planting just like monoculture grass, like planting like clovers and different kinds of species of grass and plants and pollinator um, gardens instead of, you know, typical landscaping. Like there's just so much you can do and no matter the scale you're on, right? Which I think is really exciting. I totally agree with you. And that's like my preach is because we're on less than a quarter of an acre. And granted, I have 10 raised beds, which is a lot to some and nothing to others, but it's like, you can make use with what you have. And we even started with, I think just I, the gate, just the gateway into it, just find a way if you're interested in, in gardening or in soil or, I mean, I was talking to people that just rent land from farmers. That's, that's barren that needs someone to cultivate it or get into the community garden. Like it's endless. Okay. But I have a question for you. So your husband has this farming background, but what about you? Like, did you grow up what was your family dynamic like? Were you guys like in nature? Or was there anyone that was into gardening when you were little? Or is this totally like an adult newfound passion? Yeah, no, no, nobody. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't remember ever, uh, you know, having anybody who had a garden or we didn't, we moved around a lot as a kid, my mom and I. Okay. Um, I was always sort of out in nature, right? Like I was in Texas here, but when I would, was home in Texas visiting my dad, uh, we'd be at the lake, you know, we would go, um, you know, camping, skiing, whatever. And then say, when I was with my mom, we were living in Mexico and I was riding my horse down the beach. And so I was always in nature and I love nature, but I never was taught about really nature or like how to cultivate nature or how to grow anything or how to have a garden. I, I just never, no one, I don't know. I was just busy being like a young, you know, girl. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> And yeah, then yeah. I got to... California. And it was like, how many clubs can I hit in one night? You know? Oh, sis. Oh, sis. I've been there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's just, so, so no, this is a complete and total, uh, one eighty. I, I don't even know. And like, I, I it's, ha- it happened pretty quickly for me. And you yeah. know, I have to catch myself and laugh. Like, how did I get here? Like, I'm literally happiest playing in like my worm poop and it's so weird. It's so I weird. think it's biological. Like I literally think it's science. I think it's how, cause, and I'm, I'm, I was raised like with, uh, my parents are total cowboys, like on a farm, but I came out of the womb, like ready for Hollywood. I was like, no, I don't want to have, excuse my language, but my actual quote was like shit on my shoes and hay in my hair yeah, ever yeah, again. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. And then I like reverted back to it once I, once I had my son actually so similar to you kind of once I had baby and then just that, I think that unlocks something in you too, as a mother, where you're kind of 
feeling like what the kids need. Are the boys just in total heaven out there? Yeah, they are. It's funny. I thought they would be more like, I thought that they would be like, as soon as we moved out here, be like, we're free and we're just going to be playing in nature all the time. And what I've noticed is that it's not like that. Mm. You know, I have to really cultivate that for them. So I try and get them involved in projects outside all the time. So we just planted a, um, like a little pollinator garden, um, flower bed. And and my son was like so pumped about it because he got to dig in the dirt and like, so that was great. And so we, I mean, I'm constantly talking to him about it and constantly sort of like trying to massage this into him because it's just so important on another level to get this next generation interested in land care. Like it's not, it's like, I sort of keep saying this about my own career and TV and uh, social media and stuff. It's like the world does not need another interiors influencer. The Mm. world needs me to teach my kid how to grow a tomato. It needs me to teach my kid how to compost our neighbor's food scraps and our own food scraps. It needs me to teach him how to get the springs running again on the back of our Mm. property and doing those kinds of things. And those are the things I want him to see me doing and I want to bring both of them. I, I have a seven-year-old and a three-year-old. So the three-year-old, you know, is a little young for all this. But, you know, he's getting out there too and playing in the dirt. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really trying. But I did think, it, you know, my, my son wants to play Xbox. Like he's a boy, mm-hmm. right? So I, yeah. I'm really, you know, when we get chickens next month, we're going to be really – get him really involved and helping me with all that. And I think, it, you know, I think it'll come. I think it'll come. But it's sure. something I got to teach him. Yeah, for sure. And it's definitely, I think as parents, we learn how much what we do influences versus what we say or what we tell. Like it's all in the showing and the the authentic living of it that actually inspires something within them. I mean, and I feel like similar to you, I feel it's so important to show my kids and, and educate them and cultivate an interest if not for now, for later, like it might not click and they may end up being like me as a little girl that just like cried the entire time we had to do a hike. But then one day we'll wake up and be like, wait, (laughs) wait, this is actually the, like now I'm in nature and I'm like, you guys, like, do you see that's like, you know, I'm identifying all the wildflowers and like just obsessed with every ridgeline. And I'm like, you know, we're really, I'm really into it. But, um, yeah, I think it is so much showing versus telling and just baking it in however you can. Yeah. You know, just knowing it's in there. <laughs> yes. I I'm pretty much got them trained to put our, you know, food scraps and veggie scraps into the bowl for the worms. So I've pretty oh, cool. much got them trained for that. So that's good. Um, so yeah, it's just those small little things you can do. And the worms are hysterical. So, like, again, that's such a great example of something that you don't have to have a lot of space to do. Like I've heard of people who have worm bins and they keep them like under their bed, which sounds really weird. But if you have, if you don't have, if you don't have a lot of space, I mean, if you're keeping a worm bin um, and you're doing it correctly, it doesn't smell at all. In fact, if it smells, that means something's wrong. So, and they're, they're not dirty like at all. And oh my gosh, the, the smell of the soil or the castings that come out of that is like, this sounds weird, but I just want to rub it all over my face. It smells like the most incredible soil you've ever smelled in your whole life. 
I love it. I'm so with you. I know. And it is, I mean, and that is science um, where there are like, you know, microorganisms Mm -hmm. in soil that release serotonin and like make us happy, which is why doctors are dosing, literally like dosing gardening to people because just kicking up those good vibes from the soil are changing our brains. But yeah, I know the worm castings. I, I mean, I will not amend my beds without them. And they, it is so easy to keep a worm bin if you know how to do it the right way. I watched you. I saw your one of your stories on Instagram and I was like, she's vermicomposting. Like, oh. This is my person. I've been doing it for two years. So this was another thing, right? So we are building this house. We were living in a, a smaller little townhouse while we were building this house. And we had this freak winter storm. I don't know if you remember in Texas, we had that freak snowstorm that like, yes, yeah, it was terrible. So I'm sitting on the couch and I'm like, I have got to be better. I've just, this is mother nature's pissed off, right? Like she's pissed and I've got to be better. And what can I do? And I just started thinking, gosh, we have a lot of just food scraps that go in the trash. My husband's a wonderful cook. We cook all the time at home and, and you're, you know, peeling in a cucumber and it's going in the trash or cutting up a whatever and it's going in the trash. And I was like, there's gotta be something. And I picked up a random like national geographic, like green issue on like how to be green. And there was an article on vermicomposting. I'm like, this is crazy and super weird. And again, seems like something my kids would be into, which by the way, they are not into the worms really. Not really. Really? Uh, I know. I would be surprised. No, they just, I don't know. I think they're just like, it's, I don't know. I can't, I'm, I'm, (laughs) I would think that they would be into the creepy crawlers, but they're not so much into the worms. But anyways, I started keeping this worm bin. And it, it would just amaze me how I would just, it's so easy. I would literally just throw in the veggie scraps and then like three days later, they'd be gone. And I'm like, this is like magic. And then um, and you would start to see like the castings on the bottom, right? And like this rich, rich soil coming. And um, it just, it all sort of started to click. I'm like, wow, like think about like all that food waste that's staying out of the landfill and is not only is just staying out of the landfill, which is important, but like turning into something that is so incredible for our garden. Yeah. Like it is, it is magic. Like what? And so I ended up doing, collecting all of the castings, which I've got to find a better way to do it because it's very, the way I'm doing it is very time consuming and Wait, whatever. how are you doing not, it? Um, I'm sifting it out, sort of like scoop yeah. handful by handful. With like a screen? So, yes, with a screen. Okay. And it's very meditative, but I mean, it takes hours to like harvest it. Um, yeah. Anyways, I've done it a couple times. And when we put our landscaping in at our new house, I went behind all of the little new plantings and just put, I mean, this tiny bit um, right by each new planting. And all of a sudden, these like little vines started popping up. And I'm like, that's weird. What's this? The landscapers certainly didn't plant any of this. And um, we started watching them grow and watching them grow. And one is this tomato plant. And then another tomato plant sprouts. And then then these cantaloupes start growing. And then, <laughs> and I mean, my entire front flower beds all summer long were covered in cantaloupe vines and cantaloupes. And it was wonderful because it was so hot here in Texas. And so those vines kept mm. the soil shaded, right? Mm-hmm. So they served a purpose that way. The yeah, cantaloupe very three were sisters. incredible. Yeah, the cantaloupe were, was incredible to eat. You, I've never had a more productive season of tomatoes everywhere. 
And, and this was just from the vermicompost. I didn't plant mm-hmm. those seeds. Those seeds were living in that vermicompost. And when I just went to, you know, fertilize my, my new plantings for our landscape, this stuff took hold and sprung up. And it was, it was, I, I had a couple of fr- farmer friends of mine come over and they're like, this is crazy. Like how <laughs> they're like, we haven't had any success growing cantaloupe and here you are, you're growing them in your front flower beds. Like it was just so fun and so wild. Um, and li- I love that, right? It was wild. Like it was literally yeah. wild. And I, and just to watch nature do its thing. And it was, is very, very, very special. That magic, I mean, as an adult too, to experience something that I feel like is awe-inspiring in us and that is so exciting and just unlocking is a whole nother level, right? Like, I mean, it's so incredible what happened, but it's also like being able to bear witness to it and take that inspiration and move it forward into the rest of your path as a gardener. And um, it's just so beautiful. I don't know. That's like the magic of life, if you ask me. It really is. And how everything really works so perfectly together if you just let it, <laughs> you know, if you yeah. get out of its way. It, right. It's it's really so special. And, you know, we did a couple of things around our property. Um, like we didn't put any lawns. We have no lawns. We have no grass, no lawns, nothing like that. Um, we All of our plantings are – we worked with a company called Symbiosis Regenerative Systems and they mm-hmm. – uh, they do per- permaculture principles and regenerative ag um, sort of ideals in their landscape design. And so all everything we planted is either edible to us or edible to something else. Cool. And it's all and it's mostly like pollinator gardens and perennials and natives. So things that don't need a lot of water, things that are going to be attracting tons of wildlife and bees and butterflies and birds and all the things. I mean, this late summer, early fall, it looked like National Geographic outside my house, like up my driveway. Just you've never seen so many butterflies. And I just was like, Mm. again, like this is magic. And these are such small changes that anybody can make, you know? And, And I'm sort of surprised that more like homeowners associations and stuff don't start mandating, like you have to have so many pollinator plants in your Mm. front yard or, you know what I mean? Just, I think that would be really amazing if we could do that. And I think everyone should have a rain, rain collection system, but that's just my opinion. Well, you know, what's so crazy is to a certain degree, that's illegal in some places like California, which is insane, which is absolutely insane. Insane. I posted something on Instagram once someone had given us a rain bucket and people are like, did you know that that's illegal for you to use that rain that you're collecting to water your garden? I was like, I'm sorry. What? (laughs) Yeah. See, I'm a psychopath. I'm like, who do I need to go sue to like, (laughs) who do I need to yell at to get this law changed? We need to get you up at Capitol Hill. We do. Oh my God. Don't get me started. Don't get me started, honey. (laughs) Well, it's the same here, right? Like everybody's moving to Texas. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, And everyone's particularly moving to this part of Texas. We looked in um, Dripping Springs. I live in Dripping Springs. Yeah. <laughs> so we could have been neighbors. We were there for Founders Day. This is a total digression. Like the cutest Dripping Springs, uh-huh. like yeah. fair. My husband and I, I was pregnant with my second and I was like pushing us to move out of California. And of course, so of course we're like, you know, the burbs outside of Texas hill country and the acreage and the whole thing you just said. And then there's this Founders yeah. Day festival and I'm like, babe, like we have to, you know, of course we're like the town really yeah. put on a show. We are like at the coffee shop and everyone's talking about it. It oh, was yeah. like a Hallmark movie. Azamas. It was so cute. 
It is. It sold me when they have a margarita contest. I was like, there's a margarita contest at Founders Day in this tiny <laughs> town and I can just walk around my margarita all like, what? Uh, okay, we're coming contest. this year and staying with you and going to Founders Day for the margarita please contest. Please come. Honestly, come. We have tons of room now, so please come. But yes, yeah, so I live in Dripping Springs and everyone wants to live in Dripping Springs, Texas. So they're putting in so many homes and it kind of is killing me on the inside a little bit because I'm like, oh my God, they're just, where's the water going to come from? Yeah. Seriously, where's the water coming from? And no one can cares. No one cares. Developers don't care. They don't care. And so I'm already thinking like, okay, do I need to be buying property like up north, like northeast, you know, just as like a security blanket almost, you know, like climate refugee shit. Like when Texas runs out of water, cause it will, mm-hmm. it's already happening. Same, and yeah. you know, yeah, you know, California, I mean, it's just a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess. And it's like, once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. And I'm just racing to do everything I can to make a difference. Okay, real quick, I want to tell you about the Kitchen Garden Society. It's my monthly gardening club for all levels of gardener and in all U.S. hardiness zones. We're helping gardeners everywhere save time, maximize your yield, and build your true instincts. Each month in the Kitchen Garden Society, you get a to-do list of what to be harvesting, sowing, and transplanting, as well as what you should tend and task to. You get seasonal recipes and deep dive timely lessons to accompany the skills you're going to need in the garden this time of year. You hear from experts each month and get daily inspiration for seasonal living, as well as the opportunity to share and ask questions in our members-only Facebook group. I hope you'll visit us at thekitchengardensociety.com and check it out. Well, I want to go back, which I think is, first of all, it's incredible that you are using your influence to make a difference. But second, go back to something that you said that the way you said it was so beautiful, but just we, like you were saying, you know, we don't need more interior design influencers. We need people that are helping showcase how to save the world a little bit, you know, without being too hyperbolic. But I think it's so incredible that you've made this shift and you're so passionate about it. And I think it's super exciting because I think you're right. And it's, I mean, it's a, it's a heavy wheel to turn. Um, but I think having more variation in voices is what is really exciting too. Um, because, you know, when you look at like your background and interior stylist, vintage decor expert, are you going to continue to do stuff with your expertise and in that sense? Or are you sort of forging an entirely new path, like professionally. Wow. I'm you're So you're hitting like the nail on the head right now. And the answer to your question is, I don't know. I can't sort of figure it out. Like, so the, the interior design stuff, my focus is vintage decor, right? Which in its own right is very much on brand for me, right? It's reduced, <laughs> sure. re- reduce, reuse, recycle. Don't go buy Ikea. Don't be shopping at all these big box stores. Like you can find amazing things that are, you know, previously loved and will last longer and have already lasted so long. And most of the time they're way less expensive. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's just a unique take on interior design. So that really does go hand in hand with the whole, let's save the topsoil movement, because it is just that, (laughs) 
Reduce, reuse, recycle. I mean, if we stopped making new furniture right now, we could continue to furnish the world over and over and over again mm-hmm. by what's already been made. So um, it's a good question. I have two accounts. My Living with Leah account has been my sort of interior design life and and my um, production life uh, where, you know, you'll see me doing segments and um, the TV show and all that. And then um, I started Finn Family Farm as sort of more of a design inspo account and also like a regenerative ag account. And I'm just feeling like, there's just, I don't know. It's funny. I'm wanting to spend like all my time on Finn Family Farm because it's like what's feeding my soul. Yeah. Even though I have so many less followers there, the engagement is, God, almost the same these days. I mean, Instagram's gotten weird. I'm sure you know this, like with the algorithm and engagement's gotten weird. And like, it's hard to know where to spend your time and where you'll make the most impact. But I was surprised, like I posted a cover a video of our cover crops this experiment i'm doing with cover crops on finn family farm and i could not believe the amount of people that were that cared and were interested mm. and were like whoa this is crazy and i shouted out the seed guy or whatever that i used and he's like everyone's been blowing up my phone and ordering seed for me and i'm like this is amazing, this is amazing. people actually people actually care so um I, you know, I, I, I've got to figure that out. I, I'm not taking on any new TV stuff right now. I've turned down a couple of things just because I'm really focused on getting our infrastructure set up, getting this farm, actually producing something. And it's funny. Everyone's like, well, what are you going to grow? And I'm like, I'm growing soil, okay? I'm growing soil. That's I'm what I'm growing. I'm obsessed with that. I'm obsessed with yeah. that. Um, oh, my and God. So it's just – I don't want to talk about what colors are going to be hot for 2023. I don't care. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I know. Well, and it is, it's like, but that is the magic I think. And why I think you're doing such an incredible thing because people need to see more examples of like, not a farmer, not in overalls, not in the middle of a field, like making changes and doing things and getting educated and trying things and failing things. I think I get the most comments when everyone's like, Oh my God, I'm so glad you showed that you like your, all your tomatoes got blight or something, you know? And it's like, yeah, yeah, man, keep going, keep going. And like, I didn't know what I was doing either. Like just fail forward and be excited about it. Like we're co-creating with mother nature and it's, I, I think it's, it's both humbling and inspiring and it's like, just the more voices and people that we have behind that. It's so exciting. I totally agree. And I, and I, I am not a farmer, right? Like I don't, I, I don't come from that world. I don't come from that background. So I think that it is fun to sort of create this new sort of lens to look at this concept through, right? Like, well, yeah. gosh, she's not in, she's not a got poop in her hair or whatever. She looks fabulous. She's out there doing her thing. I could do that, you know, oh, kind of a thing. Exactly. So, um, it doesn't have to always be this like granola, hippie, crunchy, like vibe. Totally agree with you. And I think that that is part of it too, is like, you don't have to be super crunchy and like not shave your armpits to have a compost right. bin and like be into Bokashi. Exactly. Like you can still, you know, I don't know. I love do it. Do you do Bokashi? Do you um, do Bokashi? I'm just going to start. I just ordered like a whole set um, because I verm- I vermicompost. 
and I wanted to build some regular compost bins, but yeah. um, just at the season of life, I think the Bokashi yeah. system will be like perfect. I'm super excited to try it out and we're going to do a deep dive in my, I have like a garden club membership and I'm going to do a deep dive on like, what is Bokashi? How do you do it? Like the resources, all of that. Cause it's a little bit of okay. a new concept to me. Yes. And this is the idea that like anything can be composted, right? Like meet all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it kind of just ferments and then you you yeah. all you do is like you release it some down. of the liquid. You can dig it down. Yeah. And then you can use like the Bokashi tea as well yeah. as like sort of the final. So I'm we have a bunch of our own little you know, micro regenerative landscaping happening soon and we really need to get through some really dense clay soil. So I think a mixture yeah. of Bokashi and biochar um, to help, I mean, and, and I hate to be this way, but like to get fast results for the soil and see, yeah. you know what I mean? Cause we, I mean, I would love to like pull a Charles doubting and like cover everything in t- tents and like take a year and a half and this and that, but, um, our timeline's a little more aggressive than that. So, you know, all, <laughs> but all these principles, like, you know, like you're sharing about it, I think it's just so fun to learn about it and test it and, and be amazed by it when it works. Cause yeah. it, does. Yes. That's one of my, um, projects too, is getting the compost bins going because we're going through more food scraps in our worms can process. So, um, so I need to get like a real compost bin going. And then I want to compost all of our, like take bins to the neighbors and be like, look, my kids will come pick up your bin on the, you know, on the mule or whatever every Friday and (laughs) we'll we'll bring it home. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I want to get them involved, give them a job and then we'll bring it home. We'll compost it all for you and we'll bring you back compost. So I think I can get, uh, the few neighbors we have around here on board for something like that. And so, but yeah, again, it's, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never made, I have no idea. I have no clue, <laughs> but I'll what figure you, it out. <laughs> yeah. What are some of the resources that have been super helpful for you? Obviously you were inspired by the documentary and you guys have worked with yes. like, companies, but are there any like books or yeah. or movies or things that have really like, yes. Yes. Okay. So, um, that's a really great question because I think this whole new world can be really overwhelming, especially when you feel like I, and I feel like I have a black thumb. Like that's just not something I've ever felt like I've been good at is gardening. So obviously YouTube's been a great, um, teacher for me. I go down like the, is it Andrew Milson or whatever? Mm. His channel is amazing for permaculture Mm. concepts. And, um, there's a, I learned to do vermicomposting on YouTube from an account called Homestead and Chill. And she taught me how to do a, yes, Deanna. So she taught me how to do a very simple vermicompost bin. And that's the one I have been using for two years now. And then after that, I really started tapping into the resources around me. So I, I told you that I hired that company, um, Symbiosis Regenerative Systems to do our landscaping. And when they came out to start working, I basically was like, can I work with you? <laughs> can, can you teach me everything? Like I will work yeah. with you on installing my house intern. Uh, just to learn. And yeah. they were, they loved it. So I would kind of come and hang out with them when I could and, um, started picking their brain. And then, um, they introduced me to, a, we had a regenerative agriculture conference out here at this place called Rome ranch, which is a bison, um, ranch. And they have regenerated like a thousand acres of land using cover crop and bison. And they hosted a regenerative agriculture uh, conference last year. 
And again, the guys from Symbiosis told me about it. And they're like, you should go to this conference. I'm like, I should. And so I just bought a ticket and went with my husband and ended up meeting a lot of amazing people in this area um, with a ton of knowledge. So that's the tough part about Central Texas is like you can watch all these permaculture videos, but they don't apply to the gnarly, gnarly climate and gardening challenges that is Central Texas. We yeah. go from extreme heat to extreme cold, from drought to flood. Like there's not a lot of middle ground. So how do you tackle that? Those permaculture principles I'm watching aren't really going to work for me. You guys have like so biblical get, weather. It's super weird. So getting with people who are actually making it work was really imperative. And I met a lot of those people through um, that agriculture conference. This company that right now, uh, Southwest Farms, he is a regenerative agriculture guy out of San Antonio. And we have become like fast friends. Like it's like nerd friends. Like he's my cover crop dealer. He's like my seed guy. He's my seed dealer. And he brings me um, organic hay to put down for the seed and all this stuff. But I pick his brain and he's been really helpful. And then oddly enough, this native grass expert moved in on the 500 acres behind us and is taking care of that and regenerating all of that. And so when I'm done with you today, I'm headed over to his ranch to meet up with Lee, my seed guy and the native grass guy to just crash their meeting really. And just to like learn more about, they are uh, reseeding, um, a new pond that they put in. And so they're needing some erosion control. So I'm just going to go listen. Like I'm just like taking any opportunity to dive into the resources around me. And I ask a lot of questions and I just throw myself out there. And I, and then the other thing I did this year or last year was took the master gardener course. So we have a a master gardener course that is offered, um, through, um, a&M, the, the college, yep. and it's like an A&M extension yep. class. And they have them, I think they have them all over the country because I have a friend, mm-hmm. not a friend, we're like Instagram friends who did one in California. Yeah. So I did that class. And again, that was super helpful because it's all about what's going on and how to deal with your local yeah. issues and experts come in. And so, um, so I, yeah, I just use the tools that are around, use the resources you have, call the colleges, call the garden centers, make friends. I make friends with everybody. <laughs> I love that. Well, that's you. That's, that's, I imagine just who you are, which is incredible. Um, but it is, I think people underestimate the value of their hardiness zone and their microclimate. And there are yes. some people that think it's not that big of a deal, but I think it's everything and finding the nursery. Most nurseries have been designed like since nurseries were happening to cover a six mile radius. And so if you have like the closest nursery to you should be the best resource that you have to start asking questions. Cause they'll know so much. I mean, I know our local nursery, it's like, when do we plant tomatoes? And you know, he's like, as soon as the temperatures hit 53 degrees, you're good. You know, like answers like that. And it's where you want information that makes sense. That's not just sort of general rule of thumb. And most gardening books, like mainstream gardening books, I get it's probably a publishing industry thing are for sort of the Midwest. Um, yeah. And they were, you know, that whole, even the, the hardiness zone system was created back when, the world was just different. So it's helpful, but yeah, I know the local, you can't underestimate and those extension offices. 
Yes. The extension offices are so helpful and so amazing, but also just hooking up with like, like go to your local farmer's market and like pick the farmer's brain, you know, like I'm sure that they are growing somewhere close to you. And like I said, just make friends with those people because they are a wealth of knowledge. And they're all, what I've found is everyone is super open and willing to share it because they're all, we all have sort of the same goal. Like how do we fix this planet? So like, if I can share my knowledge with you, that's just one more person who's going out and making a difference in the world. And so it becomes this sort of like co-op of everyone just sharing their knowledge because we all have the same goal is to feed ourselves, feed our family and nurture the planet. Totally. I remember seeing um, that shirt that says like introverted, but willing to discuss plants. And I feel like that, I mean, I'm not necessarily an introvert, but like, I feel like that's the thing. Like anyone that is into plants, agriculture, gardening, farming, like they want to talk about plants. Like do not worry about asking for advice or bringing things up. Like we want to talk about it. <laughs> and I just really want to say like, I am, I don't have a very good green thumb. Like I've gotten lucky. I've failed. I've learned and I'm just, oh, I'm just open to learning, you know, and I just am curious and I just really want this. I just really want this for myself and for my family. So I'm determined to figure it out. But I, I don't want people to listen to this and think, oh, well, she's some master gardener expert. I am not. I may be a little bit of a vermicomposting expert because I've been doing that for a long time now. Um, But when it comes to like growing tomatoes, like I, and talking about blight and all that, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not there yet, but I'm here. I've got you. I've got, you know, like I'm surrounding myself with people that I can, that I can ask. For sure. Okay. So speaking of the garden and, and growing your green thumb, what are you growing this year? Like, what are you most excited about? Or do you have raised beds so, set up or what's your goal we, so, like veg so garden look like? Here's where we are. We constructed six beds and they're eight, 10 feet long or eight feet long. And then, you know, they're two feet high. So, um, I figured I could, would start with six raised beds. Um, but the beds are constructed, but the garden itself is not constructed. So that's sort of what I'm working on right now. Like I've got to level the ground. I've got to get a garden shed, um, set up and put that in. And then I've got to get irrigation hooked up into it and then, you know, amend the beds, put the soil in all that stuff. So I have a lot of prep work to do before I can even think about what I'm going to start growing. And it's going to kind of, what I start growing is kind of depend on when, I get it ready. So I'm, my goal is to have everything done by next month. See, Texas, we have kind of a weird short growing season because it gets so hot so yeah. early. So again, I was talking to my farmer friend Lee yesterday and he was like, you're doing the right thing. Get Start thinking about your infrastructure and put it all in now and get to planting. Like we typically start planting like after Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, hope for no weird freak freezes. Um, but that can give us a pretty good growing season into May, May. June, and then things start just burning up. So then at that point, it'll become a question of like, okay, what are we doing? Shade cloth? Are we doing hoop houses? Like what are we doing to get us through the, the brutal heat? The interesting thing is it's been a pretty mild winter. So like, had I had my garden set up, I could have been growing all the things all year. (laughs) Like, you know, so I'm excited. 
Yeah. Well, you can probably grow a, like some things that will overwinter really well, like that can yeah. be touched by frost or that you can put frost cover over that will do well with lower Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, learning the first year of a brand new garden is always really heartbreaking. At least it has been for me because your soil is really like kind of getting adjusted and you're figuring things out. And it's just like, I failed so much this summer and it was just so brutal because it was, it's a, a soil issue always. We don't have a ton of access to good stuff, but, um, that's exciting that you get to start over from ground zero. Yeah, we're starting from ground zero and and the chicks are supposed to come hopefully next month. And, and I, I know nothing about chickens. Again, I know nothing about this stuff. Okay. So again, I'm just like calling people, like learning, asking questions. I am imagining books. you with like a really, really legit coop though. Like we do have a legit thing. coop. It is. <laughs> it, and it matches the house. Like yeah. it's like, it's nice. So, and it's big. I think we're going to start with about 20 birds. So I'm diving just off the deep end in the chicken world, but I'm yeah. excited. So our, our coop sits sort of on a little hill. And so the idea is that when it rains, it'll flush down all the poop down into the lower pastures and, you know, be yeah. good for fertilizer. And I want to do one of those like mobile chicken tractor things where they, yes. I can move them around the property and they can scratch up and do all their, all their goodness that, yeah, that yeah, chickens yeah. can do. That's another thing. It's like everyone should have a rain tank and everyone should have three chickens. And imagine the change that could happen just by keeping all the food scraps out of the, you know, garbage, giving them your chickens. Like it's just crazy to me. Maybe we'll get back to that someday. I know. I think, I think the tide is turning for sure. I think more people are getting into it, but, um, I love that so much. Well, I am super excited to like follow and be a part of the whole journey um, so tell everyone where they can find you to best follow along with what you have going on. Yeah, you guys can follow me at Living with Leah. Um, and you can also follow me on Finn Family Farm. Over on Instagram, right? Oh yeah, and Instagram, yeah. I don't do the TikTok. Are you on TikTok? You know, I've dabbled, but I'm not, it's not I'm too, I guess maybe it, it's my age. I not I, I don't love it. Way. I feel like I can't do it. I don't I can't do it. I refuse. And you're not doing YouTube anymore. Or are you? Um, so I'm not doing YouTube right now. For me, it was just sort of a production issue. Like mm. if I'm going to post up on YouTube, I want it to look good. And I don't have the production uh, bandwidth right now to do that because it's just, again, it's like not my focus, right? Like production is was my focus big time last year. I was producing that show and I'm just burnt out. Yeah, I just am burnt out. Honestly, I can barely get motivated to do anything on Instagram. I just want everyone to leave me alone so that I can focus on. So you can be a farmer. My, yeah. So that I can grow soil. Yeah. <laughs> leave me alone so that I can get to work saving the planet. <laughs> but I do, I do realize that there is a, um, a big benefit in having a following and having a platform and being able to share that journey so that, because my God, if I inspire one person, just one person to start a vermicomposting bin or to care about topsoil, my job here is done. You know, so, so I can't fully abandon all that because, yeah. you know, just can't, can't do it. feel like got to spread the word. Spread you need, the to, word, you spread need the to call Tyra and, and get her into soil. Oh, Tyra. Joking. I think Tyra is, <laughs> is busy, like making Smize ice cream or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. 
Thank you so much for chatting with me. I feel like we could talk for hours and I know I have like so many things I want to tell you and ask you and share. So I know I do too, because I'm like, God, you got to know about me, but I have so many questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> I need to join your gardening club. That's what I need to do. Okay. So I'll get offline and go online. I'll hook you up. When we get off of here, I'll go and yes. sign up for your gardening. Oh, club. you're sweet. Well, this was incredible. I'm so excited for what you have going on and I'm excited to continue the conversation. I'm excited too. And thank you again for having me. I'm so, so grateful. This was tons of fun. Of course. Okay. We'll chat soon. Okay. Bye. I hope this episode has been balm for the soul and inspiration for the heart. I would love if you left a review to let me know your thoughts or anything you're interested in learning. And I'm so grateful that you found this space. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned, visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast.